0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Friends, welcome to another edition of Wild and True. Today, well, today we're going to talk about something. Um, it's more of a story than it is an actual tip or technique. But anyway, I'll get to that. But first, let's get a word from a few of our sponsors. Gary Stevie at Three Hard Outfitters, your North Idaho Adventure Headquarters. Catpaw Bend, your source for seedlings and seeds for your own game paradise. Winchester Shot Shells, packing the punch for trophy longbeards. Mossy Oak Camo, hiding hunters in plain sight for over 30 years. And Federal Ammo, the best Over-the-counter ammo for big game, period. Well, this is is backed by popular demand and partly back in, well, the computer crashed. And the computer crashed and I didn't have my stuff backed up. And everything like that. So I went to looking for a copy of this particular episode and I couldn't find it. And so it was just as easy for me to sit down and tell it again. Because I remember like it was yesterday. When you live, I used to live basically right where Idaho, Montana, and British Columbia came together. And uh, right in that corner, I was about nine miles off the Canadian line, and about, oh, six miles, seven miles off the Montana line in a corner of Idaho there, uh, yes, way up there, and I lived right at the foothills of the Selkirk Mountains. I lived in the, in the Kootenai Valley Trench, and I had a mountain range basically right out my back door and a mountain range across the valley and a mountain range that kind of lay to the southeast of me a little bit. And when you live in that kind of environment, you become pretty used to seeing uh, about everything. In the years that I lived in that particular house, I I lived there for 20-something years, I saw uh, moose, I saw elk, I saw uh, I saw a wolverine, I saw uh, bears, of course plenty of deer, I saw turkeys I saw pheasants, you know you just, you, you living in the middle of the woods, I mean they walk across the road and is some of the wildest country left in the continental United States right up in that that little crook up there, at least the lower 48 and so you learn how to pay attention to what goes on around there and all this started in the summertime Now. To tell you a few words about me, I used to sleep on the floor. Uh, I had a mattress of course, but the mattress sat on the floor. And well it, it didn't sit straight on the floor, it was the box spring and then the mattress. But it was only about 15, 16 inches high, something like that. And I always figured if I couldn't get up out there. Then I didn't have no business getting up anyway, and uh, trust me, I think sometimes I had to crawl into it, and I think sometimes I had to crawl out of it. And that's about all I'm gonna say about that. But my windows in that in that house, I don't know if y'all measure windows, but most windows come down to where they about two foot off the ground the bottom of them and all that are from the floor you know and so you add that mattress there anyway um that house didn't have no central i didn't have an air conditioner in that house for years didn't really need one and then whatever happened happened Then it got hotter and all that and so we finally put one in there but that when I laid on the bed and put my arms crossways on the pillar and looked out the window, I could look out the window up under the blinds and then of course we had that window open and uh and at night time it cooled down a lot. A lot of times you catch the thermal switching around out of the mountains and it cool the house off. I went in the shade on that particular side of the valley, oh, uh, about two and a half, three hours for dark. Made it good for training horses and anything you wanted to do outside and everything in the summertime. And so, anyway, at the same token, uh, when I rolled over, looking into the towards the back of the house up towards the road I left all that kind of growed up. I I cleaned a little yard out around there and you didn't have to worry about no poison snakes or nothing like that. There ain't none and um, I kind of mowed back around there and just a little bit and then I ringed it all with rocks because I didn't move to North Idaho and Montana to mow grass. I just didn't do that and so I had a little yard that I kept kind of clean around there and plus there was plum trees out the back door uh and cherry trees and all that and it let me gather all that fruit so anyway I'm bad it's 340 right now in the morning here I'm bad to not I can't sleep sometimes and so I I rolled over on my stomach and I was looking out that window and it was kind of a moonlit night it it, it was plenty of light to see I could see pretty good and all of a sudden uh, of course dogs was in the house and they knew well enough. There they, they was so much stuff that went on around their house that if a dog barked at everything that was out there in the yard, they would have a heart attack. It's about like a white do you? If you drop that song on from South Alabama off in Montana, he probably wouldn't stop running till he got to the North Pole. But anyway, the, I was looking out the window and... In the moonlight, I I actually heard it before I saw it, and I heard it and saw it, and it happened, and it was over, and it was just like that quick, and um, something, I couldn't really see the shape good, but it was moving at kind of a trot, and something went by the window. Of course, we're talking only like 10 yards away. And it went by the window, and I remember seeing a big, long tail behind it. And so that was that. I, I, you know, I never said anything about it to anybody or anything like that. I just let it be what it may be and all that kind of stuff. And that was in the summertime. And so it went on there about two, three, four weeks, maybe. And uh, had old white, I always like, I always end up with some kind of old beat up white Chevrolet pickup for wheel drive. I don't know why they white, I know why they beat up because. If I back into a gate post or something like that, I ain't too worried about it. And Most of the time, I, I can carry it to the Yak River Body Shop, which is me and a hammer, and I can straighten it out. Uh, throw a chain and, and a come-along in there, and I can sure straighten it out. But anyway, I had an old white truck, and I had done fixed it up pretty good, had some pretty nice toolboxes on it and had one of them back window protectors headache rack type thing on it and I always believe in big bumpers and I ain't talking about them whatever they called truck king or whatever bumper that is I'm talking about a bumper that somebody built and I had a big one and I had had that bumper since I was like 20 years old, and I just swap it from truck to truck to truck, and uh, so anyway, it had a winch on it, and then it kind of had spanned metal cross front of it, and it set out the front of the truck, oh, I don't know, a good two feet out in front of the truck, and all that kind of stuff. It's like Gary Steve said from Three Heart Outfitters, he said, that's probably what broke that truck's frying, is I had that winch and that bumper hung off the front of it. And of course, it was a half ton pickup. And the way I could make it walk and everything like that, it, it just had too much torque on it with that much weight out there on the front of it. But the long and the short of it is, I. I kept it backed up in the barn, and of course, I had plenty of other stuff right around there. And so, I was walking out there to that barn one day, and I noticed the front fender had claw marks on it. I didn't know they were claw marks at that time, but I saw scratches. And so I walked over there, and I looked a little bit closer, and I saw, you know, the scratches of like three claws, and they had caught right above the tail light, I mean the uh, turn signal light, and they had just scratched down real quick. And I'm going somewhere with this, and where I'm going with all this is the fact that when you're living out in the middle of the woods, you better be prepared for what the woods have got to offer you. So anyway, it was scratched down like that. I didn't think much of it other than the fact that I couldn't figure out what exactly scratched that truck in that fashion. It wasn't nothing I did. Sometimes i get a little gung-ho and hang a chain around there or something like that. I hadn't done that and I ain't done nothing and then I just for the life of me couldn't figure out what had done it. And so another day or two rocked on by and um uh, I went out there and I got in that truck and that truck sat under an old hayloft. Uh the second story of that particular barn. Um was used for storing hay and no matter how much you swept and dusted and everything like that that fine dust would always trickle down or blow down it wasn't like a stream of dust but it just put a little old sheen across everything when um the wind would blow and so i was going somewhere that day i went out there and i jumped in the truck and when I jumped in the truck, I cracked it, and I always let my truck run for a minute or two. Uh, some old man had taught, taught me when I was younger to let the truck run a minute or two, lest all the fluid get up in there and get warm. And, you know, you ain't just jumping in the truck and throwing it in gear and doing all that stuff. And Everything. You're letting everything get warmed up. Kind of like me. It takes me a little while for me to get my fluids warmed up in the morning. And also, anyway, I sitting there. And, of course, I usually got something I'm rambling around with in the, in the cab. And I looked up. When I looked up, there was a cougar track right dead in the center of that windshield and it was a good sized cougar and the reason why I know what a good sized cougar track looks like is I run around with Gary Steven. Gary Steven had taught me all in in the short time that we were together he had taught me all he could about cougars and uh, I done followed them through the woods I done tracked them through the snow and I mean I done done everything with them and So, immediately when I saw it, I said, boy, that's a pretty good-sized cat. And all that flashing put everything together. I had seen something trot by with a long tail. And then here, this cougar had jumped up. And what had happened, he had, just like cats do, he had misjudged to jump a little bit, and he had jumped and hit right on the corner of that fender, but he had to reach out and catch himself, and so when he reached out to catch himself, he scratched the painting truck, then he just walked up there, I don't know what he was doing up in the barn, you know, you can't, there wasn't no animals in that particular barn and all that kind of stuff and i used to have a horse that i kept over there and he was mean as a rattlesnake i never realized how mean that horse was until i moved him and cut him in with gary's string he's the best son I bet you ever sat on he was an old scarecrow looking raw bone blue roan, and People would look at him when I get him off, and they would like, he ain't gonna make it. And he would tote me anywhere, and he still had stuff left over. That was a fine animal. But he's gone on, as Gary would say, he's gone on to horse heaven now, you know. But anyway. There wasn't no animals in that barn over there where the cougar was at, so he, he must have just been over there fooling around or something like that. So this rocked on, and I didn't think about cougars for another, I don't know, uh, month or something like that. And I was coming home one day, and I, I had a companion in the truck, a dog, a pit bull, and uh, he rode with me everywhere, and I whooped in the driveway, and when when I whooped in the driveway, you could look all the way down my driveway, and right down the side, of a farmer had an equipment shed out there. You could look right down the side of that equipment shed, and they kept it mowed around there, because that's where they kept the equipment and stuff, and then the crops come up to it. And as soon as I turned in my driveway and started down my drive, I looked down across through there, and I saw it when it run across. Um, there was a bunch of hay stacked in that barn at that time, and I saw it when it, it busted up through there. And I said, that wasn't a deer. And I said, it wasn't a coyote. I said, I don't know what that was, but I had an inkling. And so I always got a rifle laying there on the seat right there beside me and and all that kind of stuff. And so I just mashed on the gas because I had to go down there and then make a decision whether to follow around and go around the circle around which way the cougar went or cut the other way and go. Well, I took the long way. I went on the one that was on the outside. I busted off down through there and um, roared around there. And I was looking into the barn. Didn't say nothing. Didn't say nothing. Didn't say nothing. And I went on around the curve and I was coming down the other side of the barn. And I was still looking inside towards the barn. I figured, I figured he would have stopped in the barn up in that hay or something. And I was looking and looking and looking. And all of a sudden, he, he didn't bark or, or anything, but he whimpered. The dog, Buster. He whimpered. He was looking out the other one. He's looking out towards the field on the other side of the barn, back towards my house. And he said, hmm, <laughs> hmm, or something like that. And I looked at his head, and as soon as I looked at his head, I saw where he was looking. And I looked over there, and there the cougar stood. And so... Course I didn't have no tag or nothing at the wrong time of the year and everything like that and everything and so I stepped out of the truck, Cooper's still standing there, and his tail was just kinda of up above his head, you know, just kinda of flipping around like cats do. And um, I took the gun and shot it up in the air, well clear and well and so he hauled Boogie and he was gone. I just shot at one time. I figured that might dissuade him from being around the house. Because all I could see is him jumping square in the middle of my shoulder blades when I come out of the house one night. Or catching that dog out there or something like that. So that was the end of the Cougar's Tale. I thought for a little while. And so that might be why the, the name of this episode originally was Here Kitty, 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 Kitty. Well, I forgot about the cougar. Went on into hunting season. And, you know, just had new would seen one and stuff like that. And So we got on into hunting season. Of course, snow got on the ground. And when snow got on the ground... I caught his tracks three or four different times, or her tracks, his or her. I don't have any inkling as to what it was. And they would just go over there to my barn. You know, he kind of had a little route that he made up through there. And he'd come back down by my window, you know. And most of the time, I'd just smear them out. And I didn't say too much about him or anything like that. And uh, this went on all the way through hunt season, and on up into I, I think it was the the snow was still in patches in the shade, so it had to be uh... late february early march or something like that and um I, I hadn't seen any tracks or anything in in quite a while and i was sitting there i couldn't sleep at night and so i got up plotting against somebody or some turkey or something and anyway i was sitting out there in the living room and it was about two thirty three o'clock in the morning and I was sitting out there, and the whole house was quiet, just like this one is now. I could hear from one end of it to the other, and plus what's going on outside most of the time. And uh, so I was sitting there, and I heard, Pap! And I said, that's a mouse trap." And, you know, we had a few mice that would get in there because when they combine them big old fields, I lived on the edge of an 1,100-acre field. So you can imagine what would come out of there when they mow it all down. Anyway, I heard that pep, and so I sat there, and I knew it was the mouse trap that went off that I had put out there in the laundry room. And, uh, boy, you ought to see before I got out of that house, you ought to see what I had rigged up when the laundry used to freeze up. I had on—I I had two or three pieces of pipe. It took two tripods and something else to make the water run out the back door. But, anyway, that's neither here nor now. That's another story for another time. Uh, it, you learn real quick when you live up there in, in the middle of the woodlands you make do uh, it's a little of that yak ingenuity as a friend of mine I put it but anyway that mouse trap went off so I sat there a few minutes and I was like I need to go get that mouse cause I knew that a lot of times, I'm liable to go lay back down around five, thirty, six o'clock in the morning. I might catch an hour or two before everything gets up and gets kicking around when it's not hunting season. And uh, so I knew I might go lay back down. I didn't want Nicole to had, she'd go out there, she'd see the mouse in the mousetrap, then she'd have a fit, then, Anyway, I was just, I could get up and go take care of it and all that kind of stuff. So, I got up and I went out there and sure enough, it was a mouse there. Now, to set the stage for this, the washer and dryer is sitting right here on my right. And then, you walked across you walked across the room and then there was a sliding glass door that went onto a back porch. And that back porch went all the way across the house, across the back, which it wasn't really that far, but it was 30 feet or or better down that way. And the porch was about 10 foot wide, something like that. And um, we kept a trash can on the back porch that, would be the spillover from the house you could walk out on the back porch and drop a bag in there and all before I moved it I'd have to move it from there over inside a building to keep it safe you know from bears getting in it and all that kind of stuff but there was a trash can in one corner of the back porch now on the other corner of the back porch well back from the corner just a little bit about 20 foot across there instead of the whole 30 foot at about 20 foot I had three trash cans that I sat out there and they were full of all kinds of stuff that we messed around it was full of bird seed and uh um, there was some that you know every now and then I had some corn out there but those those cans we kept one that happened pot and soil fertilizer and all in there. But they were full-size metal trash cans. I don't know how big a full-size metal trash can is, but it wasn't them little short ones you buy. It was the big one. Uh, it took a drum liner to to use as a trash bag. That's how big they were. They were, they were good-sized trash cans. Two of them was, and one of them, was a shorter one. And so, I get the mouse, and I got him in the trap, and uh, I walk across there, slide screen door open, and it's raining, and it's probably, I said it was February, March, it's probably somewhere around between 34 and 38 degrees it's still pretty chilly out there at at night but it's not freezing it's raining and so it's raining and so i'm looking at the mouse and i'm trying to get my hand up under there where i can get the little wire and let him loose and of course i get over to the trash can and the first trash can was a plastic plastic one and it was a big one too and so I popped the handles and get the lid off of it. And so I got him ready to go in that trash can. And I'm sitting there getting that wire up under my hand. I'm getting a good grip on that wire because I didn't want blood blood to get all on me and all that. And I felt like something was watching me. And so I just stopped, and I turned my head to the right, which would have been looking up the porch. And there sat the cougar. And he was sitting under the eave of the porch, but on the other side of the big trash can, and he was just sitting there like cats do, and his tail stuck out into the porch and his head I looked at his head his head looked like a basketball I mean it was big and of course he was all furred up and stuff and everything like that he was looking at me and I was looking at him, with a mouse trap in my hand, with a dead mouse in it. In retrospect, maybe I should have. I just thought about this, just then. In retrospect, maybe I should have just flipped the mouse over there to him. But uh, it's amazing what goes through your mind as fast as what goes through your mind. And so I looked. I saw it was the cougar or a cougar and that he was really tight and there was a knife. I kept a knife stuck in the rafters right above my head and it was a big long knife. I used it in the garden a lot of times. A lot of times I'd skin a turkey with it if I had to. But it was uh, like a Freddy Krueger knife. It was a big, long, skinny-bladed uh, knife. It was good to cut off broccoli or tomatoes or whatever you was doing out in the garden and all. And I knew how sharp that knife was. And it, was, it wasn't stuck in the rafter. It was slid down between the rafters. That knife was right there. And... I had just walked past a gun. Um when you go out when you went out that sliding glass door there was a twenty two rifle that set right in um it set right in a bunch of coats right in there. You'd have to really know where you was looking and then the bottom of it was in a bunch of boots. And, uh, but there was a twenty-two sitting in there, and people said, what you gonna do with a twenty-two rifle against a Cougar? I said, well, I'm gonna tell you something. I ain't gonna shoot it one time. Uh, I done learned from my Uncle Bush that I had that thing dolled up with some transmission fluid, slicked that thing up. That's on a shuck shell as fast as it could eat them. So it was sitting in there. And... On the on the way out there, right there by the freezer, set a lever action or lever action forty-five seventy. It was Marlin. That was a really good gun too, and it it always leaned up right beside the freezer, right in there. So I walked by two guns, and there was a knife above my head. And I had a sliding glass door, so the first thing went through my mind. I said, "Boy, I can see what the paper gonna say if uh, if this cool tried to jump on me and I got a knife. I ain't gonna come out on the the clean side of that one." Of course, I dressed like I always dress, it, it, like sitting here right now doing this podcast. I ain't got nothing on but my long handles. And some kind of they've invented some some kind of t shirts that uh, are the most amazing thing known to man. They get wet and then they dry, they don't never stink. It's this craziest thing in the whole world. But anyway, they feel like nylon, they are nylon of some type, but they got all that stuff in them nowadays. So I'm sitting there and this is my normal outfit. If, if company comes over, I pull on a pair of shorts over it. But uh, I, that's the way I was dressed out there. And so first thing I ruled out was a knife. And then I thought, well, maybe I could reach around. The door it was about five, six foot, four or five feet something it was too far but I said maybe I can reach around there and get my hands on that 22 and I said no, nah, that ain't gonna work and I knew the forty-five seventy was out of the question Cat and me just looking at each other we got 20 feet of air between us he looking at me I looking at him and it raining. He's sitting up under the eave. And I got a mouse trap with a dead mouse in it. And I'm standing there. And it was just as clear as a light bulb. I remember what Gary Steve would have told me at that time. As many trees that uh, I had been involved in around and Been involved in them being around and stuff. He would have told me that if that cat wanted me dead, I never would have slain him. And I thought about that. I'm saying all this happened in milliseconds. Now, it it wasn't like you got an hour and a half to think about all this. This is all happening like right now. And that was the last clear thought that flashed through my mind. If that cat wanted me dead, I never would have seen him. And so I looked at him. And it's the way I talk to all critters, most anything and and everything. And I just told him, I said, if you ain't got no beef with me, I ain't got no beef with you. And that's song I'm going to turn his head. And he turned and he looked out in the rain. And then turned and looked back at me again. And then his tail done one of them cap things where they kind of just waggle it back and forth. It's like I got a good friend of mine. that He always says we hate assling around. We're not hassling around. We're hassling around. Well, that's what that cat was doing. He just wagged his tail like that. And he said, I, you know, I could I could read you his thoughts at that moment. He said, I really don't want to get wet right this minute. It was so peaceful up under this thing. He was just sitting there looking out across my yard to see what he could see. You uh-huh. know, but... He turned his head, he looked out across the yard, turned his head, looked back at me, waggled his tail, and then he just jumped over the rail. And the rail was four foot. Now he was four foot back from the rail. And the rail was like four foot. And he had... I mean, that ain't—he ain't even studied that. He just jumped over, it. and he was gone. And so, of course, it got on to be time for everybody to get up and everything. And Nicole asked, she'd always come in there a lot of mornings. She'd ask, "What happened last night?" And so she come in there that morning. She said, "What happened last night?" I said, "Oh, not too much." I said, "There's a cougar on the back porch, and you'd have thought that somebody won the lottery." In reverse, I mean, it was it was not good, and all that. But that cat hung around that place there, and that particular. I just kinda of forgot about him. I never saw him again or anything. We we did talk about him with the neighbors at a barbecue and he kinda of moved across the road a little bit and the man had I dunno, if one of them families where they have five, six, seven, eight children and all that and he was kinda of scared for his kids playing in the woods and all and one of his kids run up on him up in there and the the dad happened to be so close and the way it all went down I I, I assumed that the cat said that the kid wasn't worth it and all that but that was that following fall and then coming up into that following fall right in through that time they burnt some huge slash piles up there where they had been logging and um, I didn't realize this I didn't realize that that I, I had never thought about it but I didn't realize that mountain lions would den uh, in a big slash pile like that And you know it makes sense that they got to have some place to get out of the weather and everything like that. I didn't know where I thought that they'd end. I I mean, you know you don't see a cat dig a hole in the ground or anything like that, but they'll get anywhere where they can get up in there and get dry and all that kind of stuff. The way they got it out in the west right now, they've changed the whole face of cat hunting because of the wolf, the introduction of the wolf has created quite a problem for cat hunters because as the hounds treat a cat, the wolves focus on the hounds and unless men are right there where they can get to the hounds, um, the pack of wolves will come in there and kill all. I mean all of that will be left is hardware like the collars and uh I know of one particular uh pack of wolves that came in on a man's hounds and they left him with the steel parts of the collars they ate the leather collars and uh the wolf has has really, really affected that country. Uh, and you hate to say it, but you know, right there in the valley that I lived at, uh, they cost us 50 inches of what would be top-end antler growth. In other words, when I moved there, it was nothing for a buck to score 190, and when I left, a, a bucket score 140, you know, it was a nice buck. So they have been an extreme detriment in that part of the world, and we'll save that for another episode. But anyway that is kitty 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 redone and kind of expanded on a little bit so that maybe some of you that heard the first version will understand a little bit more by hearing the second version and one thing that's pretty important for me to say too, real quick is that you know i mentioned these sponsors a lot of these sponsors are my friends too you know and uh There's one thing about it, if you hear about it right here, it's going to work. If it don't work, it ain't going to be on this podcast. That's just something for y'all to think about. Till later, y'all take care.